Hi everyone, welcome back to Bite Marks. We haven't done an episode with just Callum and I in quite a while. Uh, blame the scheduling issues for that, but we're back! And we're here to talk about a game that has been on our minds for quite a while. Well, uh, but I mean, we do that, I haven't thought about this game in years. Well, you've played a lot more of them than that's I have. Why I, I that's why played. I haven't thought about it in years. Yeah, uh, so we're going to be talking about Far Cry, and specifically the way that the Far Cry series has evolved. Callum, why don't you tell the audience about the genesis of this idea? Well, what an interesting way to say that. Emilio didn't clear this with me before recording, just by the way, so let me uh, vamp for a moment. Um, basically, we, we were talking about rebellions. We wanted to do an episode about rebellions in video games, and we were trying to think of, you know, what's a good series of games that has a lot of rebellions in them. Uh, Emilio thought, you know, Half-Life, but we already did an episode on Half-Life. Uh, I thought that maybe, like, Just Cause, but there's not a whole lot you can say about Just Cause. I mean, it's it's about rebellion, but it's, like, only rarely one of them. And then we thought Far Cry could fit into so many games could fit into rebellion simply by whether or not you define rebellion in a certain way and i think that's what we need to do first yes so why don't you give your definition and then i will give mine okay i think rebellion is a smaller group fighting against the tyranny of a larger group that acts in their own self-interest Interesting. How does the definition that you have require sort of... Is it contingent on the player's relation to the rebellion? Or is it not? I think, unfortunately, um, it, it that's a tough call. I, I, I think that it's okay if the player becomes a part of the rebellion, but say they weren't initially involved. Or... Um, Maybe even though they're not there for the sake of the rebellion. It can still be a game about a rebellion, even though the character doesn't themselves really care about the outcome. Yeah, yeah, because this is an issue that will come up when we start actually talking about the Far Cry games. Because, broadly speaking, you could make an argument that pretty much all of the Far Cry games, except for, like, Far Cry 1, and are instincts. about rebellion... Yeah, and instinct. But the issue is that, for the most part, the player character really either doesn't care about what's going on, and it's just really a, a side sort of background issue, or they're really just not interested in it. And the the rebellion is a backstory for telling a personal story about the character and their development and their arc. I mean... And I think that... And, like, it it's so dumb sometimes. Because, for instance, like, RJ Gali the main character of Far Cry 4 gets embroiled in that rebellion because he's he promised his mom that he would scatter her ashes in their home country. My dude, after you watch the king of this country kill a man with a pen and then he kidnaps you <laughs> in his helicopter back to his, like, mountain villa, I think you're allowed to say, fuck this, and then just, like, scatter your mom's ashes in a parking lot somewhere and leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really funny. 
the plot, the instigating plot of Far Cry 4, right? Yeah, that, that's uh, Far Cry yeah. 4, is really, really similar to the instigating plot of the new God of War game. Because that game also is basically kickstarted by uh, your the, the mother character being like, hey, you have to go to this dangerous place and scatter my ashes. And then, <laughs> and then it basically kickstarts this massive world-ending journey. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's really Pagan funny. Pagan <laughs> Min and Boulder from Far Cry 4 and God of War 4, respectively, both come out to meet you. Yeah. There are a lot of similarities between the, you know, now that I think about it, because, well, it's all, there's also that mystical element to Far Cry 4, which isn't really present in as many of the other oh, games. Oh, no, no, you know, there is a huge this... mystical element in every one of the games from, like, a certain point onwards. Uh, yeah, sure, but, like, this is the first time I feel like the mystical element is, like, very directly integrated into no. it in a way that's done. What? Just... Far Cry okay. 3 had the tattoos, which were literal magical tattoos. Okay, sure. They say in game. Magical tattoos. These are magical tattoos. Yeah, but the magical tattoos are just—it's—it's your leveling up sort of. What about uh, all the spirit quests you go on in Far Cry Three? Uh, I don't know. For me, the the Far Cry Three suffers from a problem of like, I, I would guess sort of a tourist a tourist interpretation of like culture because. Jason doesn't really care about any... He doesn't spend any of the time really learning about that culture. It's just kind of an instrument of his power. I mean, to Whereas be fair, he's AJ got a lot a, on his mind. Actual... <laughs> no, I mean, if I was fighting, you know, crime lords and pirates, sure, I wouldn't stop to be like, hey, what's the history of this place? But it's really... <laughs> so how's your day it's going? Really... <laughs> it's, really a, it's really a background, I feel, in, in, in contrast to, like... AJ is going to do, you know, his mother is from, AJ is going to do their, you know, he's going to do this thing, it's important to his mother, he's a karate American, it, you know, there's like, like, the the culture of the karate people are like, deeply interwoven, especially into the, in terms of like, the way that the ending of that game goes. Um, I didn't finish the game. So, I didn't know how it ends. So, there's gonna be spoiler alerts. Uh, for, for me, <laughs> a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, for Calvin. Uh, I don't care. Just spoil um, the hell out of it for me. I I got to the point, like I got to a point where you were in a prison, and you kept go. You had mm-hmm. to like fight this demon lady who used drugs to make you think. Here's the thing. Also, is that in Far Cry games, the people who take you on spirit quests through drug-induced hallucinations are oftentimes women. Ooh, yeah. Actually, isn't that also in Far Cry Six? Isn't and like Primal. the lady that sent, no, fa- fa- sorry, Far Cry Five. The the lady who takes you on the spirit quest. She's also yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's oh, in yeah. five. It's in three. It's in four. Um, in Primal, there is a um a dude who's like a shaman who takes you on spirit quests. But there's also a lady uh, chief of a tribe who takes you on spirit quests and uh, is evil. And that's usually how it goes. The evil one that takes you on spirit quests is the lady. <laughs> well, you know, there's no, like, a deeper meaning, you know, embroiled with Ubisoft's wider cultural problems of, you know, sexism and misogyny. That's totally not, Yeah. You know. Also, uh, isn't it funny you know, that thing. the least rebellious company in the games industry keeps making games about rebellion? Ooh, and also how they insist... 
Callum, I have to tell you about this, but like in the begin on the Wikipedia page for Far Cry 6, there's a statement that says this game was designed to be political. <laughs> and I read that. Emilio told me this like two minutes before we started recording and it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I listened, I, I read that statement was like, a Far Cry game designed to be political? What was the political what? ramifications <laughs> of the dinosaurs in Blood Dragon? <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's just, it's really funny to me, because every Far Cry game has been political, like, basically all of them, really, if you really want to make an argument about that, but the company has had a consistent desire to distance themselves from the consequences of their sort of political statements, or lack thereof. Uh, (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't want to distance themselves from Ubisoft's statements? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah no that's true uh I, I really really do feel bad for the developers you know because they it it's not like these games are badly made per se no that's now you could make an that's the mo of ubisoft i wrote an article about yeah, this I, once uh none of ubisoft well not about ubisoft specifically there isn't enough time in the day but um none of the games or sequels that ubisoft puts out are bad they're all just like fine. Yeah, yeah. It, the 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 company is kind of stuck in a holding pattern, yeah. you know, in a way. I did um, actually want to ask you about something. Um, yeah, go ahead. Do you think that it's a problem that uh, Ubisoft's like method of creating anthology series, like how you don't need to play Far Cry Four to play Far Cry Five? Do you think that that's creating this culture of? constantly recycling their fan base so their template is old but it never seems old to newer fans that is a really interesting question uh it actually touches on some ideas that i had about sort of the way their game design kind of works but yeah actually i do think it is an issue because there really isn't any continuity but this has kind of been a feature basically since sort of the entire inception of the franchise look at far cry 1 far cry 1 is about as uh, mercenary guy who basically is fucking around is like an 80s action movie yeah. really because it's about a guy who washes up on an island he's fighting mercenaries the mercenary guy is like named Krieger which is, <laughs> you know, come on <laughs> come on uh, of course uh, he is yeah it, and they're fighting eventually you know there's a plot with like mutants and yeah, then it's bio mutants you know, so, and stuff yeah it's yeah, it's, it's sci-fi nonsense. Like, sci-fi is 80. You, you would expect Arnold Schwarzenegger to show up and, you know, uh, pull out, like, an M60 machine gun and, like, do a wheel. It's ridiculous, Well, and right? here's the thing. And then look at Far Cry it's 2. It's such a, like... Ubisoft wasn't even being original back in the day because that was a staple of the gaming industry for a while. Yeah, yeah, really, you know. It, Ubisoft has this issue where a lot of the times they don't necessarily have... They, they're, they're very lenient... Uh, in sort of... You can just say they're bad. You don't have to be clever about this. (laughs) Yeah, they're very uh, permissive, I think, of... Oh, not permissive. They're very... uh, They keep mum. They're they're not very open about their influences, you know, where they take them from. I I feel sometimes, you know, uh, they just copy things that are happening and then they they do it in a way that's a lot more amenable and so you can kind of get... uh, You know, because... 
the Ubisoft franchise is not the pioneer of the open world game, but when I think of an open world game, I think of a Ubisoft game. Yeah, it's you know? like um, it's like, like someone came out with um, the idea of jalapeno chips, right? And then Ubisoft yeah. makes mild jalapeno chips. Oh yeah, and because it's less spicy, a lot more people eat it. Yes, so, but it has less flavor. Yeah, well, you know, it's yeah, it's. Yeah. I've always described Ubisoft games to people who don't play them as like really, really wide pools, but the pool is very, very shallow. And um, there's leaves in it, and something's at the bottom, and you don't want to get into that pool. Find a different pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh before we get too far off topic i i actually wanted to ask you a question yeah. so f- the far cry games if you chart their evolution actually basically the first two games are mecha- well, to some extent mechanically and thematically very different from the other games that follow on in the series i would argue that far cry 2 is probably the most political game in the entire series yeah, yeah i can uh, see that but it's Far Cry 3 where they start to... Where the formula... So, question one. Do you agree with me that Far Cry 3 is where the actual formula of the Ubisoft open world game is set, right? Like where it comes from. Yeah, where it comes mm. from. Because in Far Cry 3... Yeah, Far Cry 2 is an open world game. And Far Cry 1 is not really open world. Far Cry 1 is actually in between because it's so old. Yeah. It's like some of the levels are actually linear, especially when you're indoors. But for the most part, it's kind of like an open world. And Far Cry 2 is, like, legitimately an open-world game. And it's so open-world, you actually have to use a map. They have a diegetic <laughs> I remember that. It which, was really cool. I loved it. You know, I, I it made navigation feel like an actual thing. And you didn't have to suffer from the Skyrim beacon syndrome, where you just you just move in straight lines across the world without any real consideration to the actual local terrain, you know? Like, one of the worst things to happen to video games, I think, in terms of experiences, is that idea of, like, just beacon oriented navigation instead of like actually navigating through the space you just follow the beacon and uh anyway. i don't know sometimes sometimes it's necessary like sometimes uh. i can see the benefit of having it over not having it but i agree with you and also i do i do agree with you i think far cry 3 is probably where the formula n- maybe not started but was like it was the genesis of the formula that we have today in a lot of ways, I think, actually, Far Cry 3 is a combination of Far Cry 1 and Far Cry 2, right? Because it has a lot of the mechanical elements uh, from Far Cry 2. You've got an open world, right? You've got big these big wide maps. You've got the ability to do stealth and also do, like, upfront action. Although, let's be real, guys. If you're playing a Far Cry game, you are definitely 100% just picking, like, a sniper rifle or the quietest weapon and usually just sniping out the outpost and then... Yeah. Right? Because that's how I always play yeah. these games. It's... Hundred <laughs> percent, right? <laughs> it's the stealth archer problem, but <laughs> I mean, the, the only time I've ever gone loud is when I've been caught, or like I got bored. Yeah, or yeah, or the game forces you to go loud. Yeah, right. There's a famous mission in uh, in Far Cry Three where you have to burn the weed field, and they play Skrillex in the background. Oh and your character is clearly just getting high while he's burning oh the weed God. field, <laughs> and <laughs> that is peak <laughs> early two thousands. Yeah, but you see, like, there are lots of those wacky moments that you wouldn't necessarily feel out of place in an 80s science fiction, in an 80s sort of sci-fi action Well, actually, now that you say that, let me just real quick throw in here. Um, Isn't it crazy how this is a series predicated on the idea of rebellion, kind of, sort of, but uh, 
almost every big moment in it, even in the games that are actually about rebellion, almost every big moment in it is like a cinematic set piece with, with a very yeah. linear like progression through it. Yeah, that is actually a very good point. You know, now that I think about it, because if some of the most pivotal, impactful moments in any of the Far Cry games that I can think of, like at the end, it's just almost like a cutscene that you just kind of get to make a choice. You yeah, know? it's it's weird how much the game is like. Oh, you have all this player agency, but in the major sort of story elements, not really, right? Like mechanically, you have agency, but story wise, you have relatively little agency i I was yeah what's what's the point of being able to sneak up on the guy or or go in guns blazing or whatever when the end result is always the same it it makes choices don't matter now yeah there there are there were some parts in far cry 3 i remember when i was playing and i would like sneak into the base and i would be like no one would see me i would take out all the guys right raise no alarms and then I would enter the mission, and the cutscene would be like, and there's a guy behind the door who just hits me. I was like, what? <laughs> how did how did this guy who was behind the door waiting this entire time get me when I took out the whole base without anyone else realizing I was there? Like, was is his job just to stand there and yeah? Get why? Me? It, it feels why like why are these uh, golden path warriors or whatever they were called? Uh, why are they super cool with fighting with me when I've just whipped out three rocket launchers that I had on yeah, my person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 problem is that like so how do i put it so ubisoft has this issue where i feel like from a story perspective because the game is so open world uh and because you can you know approach the missions in any kind of order that you want they have this issue where if they still want to have a story they have to have these major areas where they force the player to do something right and generally speaking, because the world is so open and they can't account for, oh, you took down all of these strongholds before you did this story mission. You know, realistically, if you were do- leading a rebellion and you took over a bunch of territory and then you did the mission, you know, the story mission to take over that one stronghold, it'd be like, hey, wait a minute. We took out all these other guys. These guys should be a st- cakewalk. But the game is like, wait a minute. He hasn't done the story mission yet. So we're still going to throw a bunch of guys at him, yeah. you know? And because it's 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 so open world that a lot of the meaning of the story actually just gets removed because almost in a way the player is not really that important to the story you see i uh, don't you're think kind that of just along for the ride. open world i don't think it falls into open world because of that reason you know what's open world the the concept what? in breath of the wild where you can just go and fight ganon at the beginning like if you really want to oh, yeah, that's yeah. open world yeah you can you can kill him right at the start of the game. You probably won't, but... You can just go and you know, fight you him. Like, you don't have to do any side quests. But the reason you do that is because it makes that final fight easier. That's the point of an open world. You should be exploring the world for the rewards and challenges that it brings with, like, one central major challenge that you have to overcome. The reason you're exploring the world is to get strong enough to overcome that challenge. Yeah, yeah, and also, generally speaking, the narrative of those kinds of open-world games are not necessarily so linearized. Like, with Breath of the Wild, because you have because you have to remember things about the past, the way that... The, actually, the storytelling is really good in that game, because the Great Calamity, all that stuff has happened, you're just trying to piece it all together. Yeah. So you can piece together as much of that puzzle as you want to, or you can just completely leave it and... And you, you, know, you can go to any of the areas, I think. <laughs> yeah. And 
that you know no actually you know for, that actually makes me think because maybe Far Cry really isn't an open world game in the sense that because the problem is the story is linear right the story is linear and you can't reconcile a linear story with a non-linear mechanical experience very easily I don't yeah think. that's like shuffling that, the pages and, of a book yeah yeah exactly no it, have you did you ever play those those choose your own adventure books yeah yeah uh, well, I played yeah. a bunch of them. so. <laughs> yeah, they were they were really fun. I I genuinely wish that there were more you uh, sort of visual novels based around that kind of because you know it's fun. I remember playing uh, reading them. I was <laughs> playing the book, you play books, but those books ha- <clears throat> those books have essentially a linear story that you can only experience sort of one piece at a time. You can't just jump around the book. You have to follow the instructions because if you just read the book in any order, or if you even try to read it in the order that it's in in, in 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 the book the story would make no sense and if i mean i, mean, I tried Starcraft... i tried reading a, a, <laughs> a, a, a play your own adventure book like from start to finish and i couldn't because i had never seen one of them before and i couldn't figure out why it was so weird <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's that's actually pretty funny um but yeah, I guess you know if you were not familiar with the concept and you've only read other normal books, that would that would be easy. But yeah, the problem with Far Cry stories is they are very linear. Uh, they are very linear actually, and the storytelling in the linear sense doesn't really fit. Another another issue I think because I, I do want to talk a little bit about there being some dissonance between the theme of revolution and sort of the mechanics of revolution. So I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence that in terms of the way the structure that all of these games are, bu- are built around is we have a sort of a province-based map. We have different areas. You have to liberate some outposts. You have to go to like radio towers or radio tower equivalents, and that unlocks like a bunch of the map. Now, on paper, that is mechanically, I suppose, a very good way of getting your characters, your players, to explore the the place. Um, Right, <clears throat> but if we think about it in terms of a revolution, generally speaking, the force that you're fighting against has overwhelming, overwhelming power. That's why you kind of have to fight them piece by piece. You know, piece by piece. So on on the one hand, it does make sense that you will take over provinces piece by piece because revolutions happen in that kind of piecemeal way. But the problem with the way that it's executed is that the enemy forces don't really respond to the fact that you're taking their provinces. You know. If the Empire in Star Wars, they cracked down hard. (laughs) They destroyed planets. (laughs) And that was, like, on the threat that something might be happening. Yeah, yeah. They destroyed Alderaan just to spite Princess Leia. They didn't, you know, Alderaan was was not, like, posing an imminent present danger to them. They just destroyed it. So, realistically, whenever I've played a lot of these Fogra games... I will start taking over the provinces, and gradually I feel like, hey, the rebellion is actually getting somewhere, right? But then the NPCs don't really do anything. They just kind of sit in their base and defend it. The enemy NPCs, the enemy faction, they don't really try to take it back from me. You know, they don't like, hey, wait a minute, we just lost a province. What do we, we you know, we should do something about this. We shouldn't just let them roll. Yeah, us. why am why am I the gun-toting liberator of this land? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird because why don't you do revolutions. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> almost in a way, you know. Uh, have you? Did you ever play the original Stalker? Like Stalker, the Stalker one or two? Uh, I haven't played any of the Stalker games. 
Oh, okay. Well, those games are very interesting. Uh, they are pretty difficult games. Uh, and I remember that there was either an urban legend or kind of like one of those internet, you know, rumors. Uh, creepy that pasta. NPCs. <laughs> no, not a creepy pasta. It was basically just that during the development of the first Stalker game, the NPCs have a lot of freedom, right? So basically, the issue was that on the higher difficulties, the NPCs would just finish the game. <laughs> and <laughs> you would just be playing, they would just do the main story. <laughs> and, oh, that's like, that, right? that sounds so, like a thing EA would design. Yeah, well, so the idea is that the game is an open world, right? You can, generally speaking, go anywhere except for the limits of, like, hard radiation and stuff like that. If you can't go to a place, you need to develop the technology or get radiation defense or whatever, right? But the idea was that the story missions are just missions that people are posting into the world. So NPCs could technically do them. So hypothetically speaking, you know, I, I was reading, you know, stories about, oh, yeah, you know, I was playing the game on the hardest difficulty and suddenly I just got the game over screen. It's like, what happened? <laughs> well, it turns out what are the NPCs just did the... the, the you were the, the NPC, final boss. <laughs> yeah, you were the NPC. That was, you know, uh, Ivan, you know, he he's the main character in this story. You were just his NPC, <laughs> you know. And on the one hand, I love that because that's kind of actually really one of the consequences of an open world game where, where you're like, hey you know, adventure world, you're taking strongholds, you know, you're fighting, ar you know, you're fighting enemy armies, you're doing these cool missions. And the game still, however, has to center around you. Because, you know, the the story is too afraid to like, get loose, you know, jettison you a little bit in a way, right? It has to still center around you. Everything that is plot important has to happen around you. You can take over the whole map. And, you know, the enemies are like, wait a minute, because you haven't done this one story mission, the rebellion is not winning, you know? Mm. And it's it's weird. It's really, really weird because hypothetically, you know, if you took over the whole map, then maybe the rebellion could just, uh, I don't know, kind of win. You know, they, they don't need or just you have to like assault the better enemies. stuff. <laughs> like show the enemies being underpowered because I put the work in. And unfortunately, I think you have this issue where balancing an open world game is really hard. Because if you if you were to make the enemies weaker as the game went on, right, then you would have a reverse difficulty curve, which I don't know if is necessarily satisfying. I know they've, they've you know, been a huge thing lately, but what do you think of, like, um, time loops being used in uh, open-world games? Oh, yeah. Well, there have been a lot of time loop games. Uh, there's uh, Deathloop and... Other ones? A bunch of us. Yeah. <laughs> there's that one that's set in uh, Rome, whose name I forgot, and there was another one... Yeah, there there was that one with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't I don't have a lot of money to play games. I mostly listen to other people talk yeah. about them, which is what I imagine you're listening to us do right now. Um, hey, hey, welcome yeah, to the party. So, yeah, uh, subscribe. Um, so yeah, I, I do actually think that an open world time loop game could well, it would, could it would essentially just be Majora's Mask, wouldn't it? There is a game that I saw recently uh, called Heidel, Heilwart. Heilwart. It's an indie horror game, right? Uh, you play as a person in a mental asylum. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like this really That's like, wackadoo <laughs> mental asylum. That, the mental asylum is the horror equivalent of your parents' farm in a fantasy story. 
Yeah, or the random tropical island, you know, Ubisoft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that the, the Far Cry Three, when you when you said um, uh, it's like a combined Far Cry One and Two, it's like it took all the gameplay and story elements from Far Cry Two, and from Far Cry One, it took the island. Yeah, because people. L- let's be real, people generally speaking, love blowing up tropical islands, right? I feel like there's this thing in a gamer's mind where he sees a tropical island and he he goes back to, like, the primal lizard brain to destroy pristine environments, I think. Also, you know, these games emphasize their destruction physics. In Far Cry 2, you could, like, literally just set everything on fire. Which I mentioned this on stream once with Miles. Go and check out Miles, my friend, who I go on his streams regularly so that you can come back and check out us. Um, I mentioned on on stream that uh being able to set south africa on fire ended up being so prophetic (laughs) for a game that came out in like 2004 (laughs) well well far cry is not south africa uh it is some random east african country yeah they speak in south african there are such yeah there are south african look okay look so i did a video on this there's a video on this about uh, sort of the amoral Afrikaner trope in media, which is like, if there's a South African person in a video game or a movie show, there's like a 90% chance they're an Afrikaans guy and they have connections to like all the shady stuff mm. that the apartheid government uh, did. So yeah, there's a, the video on this, like, uh, what's his name? Blisk from Titanfall. Does he have connections like, to the apartheid <laughs> government? I didn't know that no, just, like, in my <laughs> initial playthrough. <laughs> no, but he's like from Johannesburg. Yeah, he's like you know? Hazard but. Your robot yeah, is looking good. I don't know what accent that yeah, means. It's, <laughs> I live in this country. It's, it's wild to me. I've heard people from China before. Yeah, it's wild to me that you have a character who's like hundreds of years into the future. You you have a you know a South African person. And it's like oh yeah, where are they from? Oh they're you know they're Afrikaans. Why they're like a mercenary type? And it's like oh yeah, you know they're meant to evoke the period of like you know uh, hardcore. South African defense forces, spec ops guys, you know, the people who were doing, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, excuse you, the people who were doing all the, the terrible shady stuff on, you know, the behest of the apartheid government. But back to the time loop. Back to the, we're looping this conversation. We're in um, a time loop. Ooh, we, we, we have to do content every month. Oh, no. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Uh, Basically, um, integrate chain, like, save points into parts of the world so you can make like a save point or you you hit a a certain place where it's a save point and you go into an area and you do stuff but you have a a time limit in every area like some Mm. areas uh you have to do their thing in like five days yeah you know it is kind of funny to me speaking about days that despite the fact that you have these open world games time is generally speaking not a factor yeah like you don't have to do missions in a specific number of days usually or you know within a specific time frame or at a specific date or whatever it seems like time is completely meaningless and yeah i i do feel like that might add something but maybe it would make the game less casual right because you you can't do you can't do everything like uh, a good example of this is fallout 1 fallout 1 has a time limit if you don't spoilers for fallout 1 i guess if you don't solve the main quest of fallout 1 within a certain number of days you will lose and there's very little that you can do to stop the counter granted the counter is pretty generous so you do have time to explore the world but when i played fallout 1 
for the first time and I didn't have any idea what to do, I was constantly worried about running out of time. And I did actually run out of time a few a few cases, you know. Uh, so yes, but maybe the time loop thing. Point. Uh, yes. It's not a open. It's kind of open world ish, sort of. It's more like there's lots of different areas you can go. Persona Five, which I've been playing recently, I've almost finished with it. Uh, or Persona Five Royals. What's great about that is that uh, basically you do get a, a, a calendar, and every day matters because mm-hmm. you get a deadline. So you run into yeah. the person whose cognition you have to change. You have to go into their palace and beat the boss and whatever. And they usually uh, give you a, a thing like uh, you. There's this gangster who's like the third boss or something. He uh, is going to release pictures that he took of you and your friends in a club, where he included. That's pretty creepy. Well, he included um, like shots of alcohol and drugs and stuff, uh, and your main character's on probation. Ah, okay. I, I thought you were gonna say because they're like you know high schoolers. Or yeah, whatever, they are. But, but yeah, like, okay. The re- well, they, they weren't in the club to like do drugs and shit. <laughs> they, they were going there because uh, they were trying to they were trying to change the cognition of this guy in the first place, and then one of their members got caught, and now this guy's like holding this photo of them over them as blackmail, and he says like, if mm-hmm. you don't uh, get me three million yen in two weeks, then. Uh, I'm going to release these photos. Okay. So how do they do the time loop stuff? Well, it's not time loop. But, but this oh, is, no, sorry. This is how a... do they do the schedule? Okay, so basically what happens in Persona is you, you have uh, two slots in the day where you can do something. Afternoon and evening. Uh, and you can either, uh, you know, go and talk to your friends to get their social levels up so that they can have uh, stronger abilities and stuff. Or you can go and... Um, you know, train your social abilities so that you don't run into a wall later on, because sometimes it says you need, like, a higher charm stat to talk to this person. You can tell this game was made by introverts. Yeah. um, (laughs) Also, weirdos, because guess, kindness is a stat. Yep, yep, made by weirdos. Anyway. Uh, Then uh, you can also use your time, you know, building tools. Or uh, going shopping, or going into like the uh, general sort of openish world dungeon crawl section, or you can go into the palace itself and start doing the story stuff. But you have to balance how you use your time most effectively within the twenty-three days or whatever, and it's a pretty casual game. Like it can mm. be intense if you put the difficulty all the way up, but I don't because I don't need to prove anything to myself. So, at, at, like, easy difficulty, it feels pretty casual. You're just, like, chilling, listening to these Japanese teens talk about um, cognitive science and, like, drinking coffee and shit. And then, like, sometimes you fight a demon. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, I definitely missed out in my high school phase of fighting demons and also doing all of that other stuff. Uh, But speaking of making tools... (laughs) <laughs> I, I I do want to uh, circle this back time loop yeah time loop. back to uh, back to when you're we talking more about Far Cry so there are a couple of things that I think are really interesting in the wider context of sort of rebellion I think the first is that from Far Cry 3 onwards the games have crafting mechanics and RPG mechanics right because 
What's not present in Far Cry 1 and Far Cry 2 are the ability to craft items by hunting animals and like gathering resources and also to level up and gain skills, right? Yeah. So that I think is a very interesting idea to have because all of the other Far Cry games from Far Cry 3 onwards have had this system, right? To various degrees of complexity. And I have to wonder if by making it an RPG or adding RPG elements, you know, because everything is an RPG now, um, that has undermined some of the story uh, some of the story beats. Because Far Cry 3 is about being a guy who survives a terrible situation, but you can, like, become a stealth tiger god, you know, with your tattoos. But I think, I think, that, I think that's the point, you know? I think... You think it's the point? It's a power fantasy. Yeah, uh, well, it's meant to be, like... Um, you don't really watch anime, so it's hard to... <laughs> There's a, a lot of... This stuff happens a lot in anime. Um, but mm. it's basically just like you go through a terrible situation, and you acclimatize to it, and you get better at it, and you fight back, and you get stronger and stronger and stronger, and then at the end you realize, um, okay, I'm kind of meant to be here now, because I'm not capable of doing anything else yeah you know that is kind of funny one of the one of the endings for far cry 3 is you can choose to stay on the island you can i guess to to to, to use the game sim you can basically surrender to your inner darkness and become like a island warlord now granted that ending has you die yeah that's the bad (laughs) ending, which is wild (laughs) because how is the the drugged up flamethrower hunter supposed to acclimatize back into society? Yeah, yeah. There is this. I think the you know the heart of darkness. I think was an inspiration for Far Cry Three, and there definitely is this theme that you can't necessarily go back to where you were. You know, after having killed people. Yeah, again, you know, there's that also that similar uh, theme is present in Far Cry Two. Right at the end of Far Cry Two, again, spoilers. You can't win. You either blow up a bridge and die, or bribe some mercenaries and die. Yeah. And the idea is that you can't necessarily go back to society after what you've seen. It, the The game is meant to be like, oh, this is this civil war has caused so much trauma, so much damage that you just you can't go back. You know. Yeah, you are forever um, changed. You're forever changed. And in that you're. I kind of have in, to wonder. In that uh, Far Cry Two mercenary is dead. <laughs> That's a pretty <laughs> big change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, one of the problems, I think, about the way that Ubisoft does their storytelling is I think they have an issue of sort of binary thinking. So Yahtzee, uh, Yahtzee did a, an episode, uh, I think it was called Extra Punctuation, and he talked about how video games tend to give you a choice. A lot of video games tend to give you a choice, and I think he was using Dying Light 2 as if there are two factions, the two factions oh, will yeah, be ordered video. but oppressive or chaotic but like you know libertarian right yeah. so and the idea is that basically it's a very weird binary choice because no one wants to be a fascist or at least most people don't want to be a fascist but they make but in order to counterbalance the fact that the order guys are generally speaking quite fascistic because let's be real most of them tend to be uh they have to make the libertine guys, the libertarian guys, who would, generally speaking, just be the good guys, they have to make them crazy. They have to make them incapable of actually, like, making a society, yeah, you know? because y- um, you have, there have to be bad for both. But that's the thing, is they yeah, make it, yeah. like, both sides are bad choices. 
Yeah, so Far Cry 2 was doing this way before the curve, where the fact that you're caught between two different rebel groups in a fictional East African country, and both sides are just bad. Both, Whichever side you side with to defeat the other side, they'll still turn on you at the end. You know, there's no good outcome there. And that's generally speaking reflective of sort of the real world reality of those kinds of wars, you know, for, for blood diamonds. Yeah, and then it takes you a but, super long time to get to the point where you just, like, talk to a journalist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, there's... And, and also, you know, Far Cry 3 actually broke with the tradition to some extent because one of the endings is actually much better than the other. You know, you don't die, you don't become a warlord, you leave the island, you don't kill your friends. Uh, but Far Cry 4 and Far Cry 5, and to some extent Far Cry 6, have just gone back to the... Both endings are bad, There's no good option. yeah. Yeah, so to, to give you an example, spoilers for the ending of Far Cry 4. If you had to guess, how do you think Far Cry 4 would end? Well, I ended Far Cry 4 in like two minutes. Oh, yeah, you, you got the Easter egg. Yeah, I got the Easter egg. <laughs> uh, if you um, play Far Cry 4 and you don't leave the room... Uh, At the beginning yeah, of the game. Yeah, it just like ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pagan comes back and he's like... Hey, that's cool. Let's just do this thing that you oh, want hey, to do. Oh, hey, you're here. Cool. Uh, I was expecting you to leave. It's chill, though. Let's go and, like, rule the country. And then you just do, I guess. Right. So, let's say you play to the end of the game. Yeah, I... Uh, nowhere so close. You, you do have an option. Uh, uh, once you once you eventually go to the shrine, right, and you can put your mother's ashes, then Pagan will take a helicopter and he can go, and he'll leave the country in your hands. Then, at that point, you can actually just shoot him down if you want to. You don't have to, but you can just shoot him down. But the, the real ending is the goal, Golden Path sees Kirat. And it depends on who you sided with. So if you put Amida in charge, then Kirat becomes an authoritarian drug state. <laughs> they have, like, little child soldiers. <laughs> Jesus. But if you side with... Yeah, but if you side with Badra, then... Um, uh, no, sorry, if you side with uh, Sabal, that, that's his name. If you side with Sabal, then it becomes a patriarchal fundamentalist theocracy. Uh, women are, they, they don't have any rights. It becomes a religious place. Oh, uh, God, and... I don't... Are the child soldiers yeah. well paid, at least? <laughs> no, they're conscripted, That Callum. could be character building, <laughs> I guess. Depends how many wars we fight. Um, Man, yeah, that's a bad one. That I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see the the problem, and and Far Cry Five does that as well. You know, there's either yeah, like a nuke. Either it, how did the priest dude set off a nuke? By the way, well, I guess it was serendipity that the nuke exploded when he did, or maybe it was all in your head, or you know, the game kind of played a little bit fast and loose. And at the end of Far Cry Six, you know, there's no good ending either because the war still carries on. Is see. There is a central theme when I look at this, and the problem is you can have a rebellion as a inciting, interesting plot point, you know, because it's it's cool. You have a natural sort of protagonist power arc, you know, start from nothing, build your way up. You can have cool villains or whatever. But the problem is it's very difficult to actually see a revolution to its end, right? It's very difficult to actually do this, and very few of these games actually focus on what happens afterwards, right? Because invariably, the aftermath of a successful revolution is almost as complicated as the re revolution itself. In, in many ways, it's, you know, to borrow a quote about paraphrase from Genghis Khan, it's very easy to rule the world, uh, to conquer the world from horseback. Dismounting and, and ruling it, that's very hard. So a lot of these rebel groups, these rebellions that overthrow a regime, 
kind of just end up doing all of the same problems of the regime or itself, having right? totally new uh, problems or totally ha- yeah or, or having totally new problems that don't really feel satisfying now you could argue that that's kind of the point because real life is not satisfying in that way but there are these issues where you're playing this game and you're giving the player a lot of agency right you're making them almost a messianic figure in the eyes of the the audience because let's, let's again be real this is a power fantasy your character single-handedly changes the course of a revolution yeah. which is not a kind of thing that most people in those kinds of solution, uh, situations would ever really be able to do you can point to a handful of leaders throughout history that have single-handedly changed the course of the revolution and those people did not do it by fighting on the front lines with like a giant bowie knife and like a tiger. Can you imagine <laughs> if like George, the story of George Washington was just like that America movie they made on Netflix, which is a giant spoof of the American Revolution, where George Washington has like chainsaw hands? Oh, I was gonna say, can you imagine like the Russian Revolution, but like Lenin is like a ninja. He, 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 a ninja yeah he's fight he's single he's fighting with a katana and an uzi and he's just like taking out lemon's like a yeah, jedi so, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah um but that you see that exactly what you mentioned is why i i think far cry 3 is is still the best one um because yeah it's on the nose that jason brody's supposed to be this almost messianic figure because he has literal yeah. magical tattoos. Like, they, they go out of their way to say, like, you know, you are pumped full of drugs. You are uh, hunting this place basically to extinction. And you have these magical tattoos. It is no wonder that you are the best at doing this. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I have to say that I think <laughs> the interesting thing about Far Cry 3 is that Jason is not really in it for the revolution right yeah he's just a guy who was thrown into this crazy situation and he just has to battle from first dealing with Voss and his pirates to Hoyt. finally we're uh, talking about revolution with 15 minutes left <laughs> and the problem is that jason just is trying to survive he's trying to protect his friends he's trying to get home he doesn't actually care about really the struggle yeah. only towards the end could you argue that he really becomes invested in it but i never felt personally invested in the struggle with the rakiat against you know the pirates because i don't really feel like the story did enough to make me care about them and realistically speaking jason is just a spoiled american kid really to argue that he would care about all of this and he that he would not want to immediately run away over you know the course of the story and, and just leave is kind of ridiculous that's why i feel like the bad ending of far cry 3 just kind of jumps out of nowhere because I mean, there's no indication even that he's like spoiled because he definitely is spoiled like don't don't get me wrong but like it's not even that it's that he is a survivor of an incredibly traumatic experience the second he has the opportunity to leave with his friends he would yeah yeah as soon as it became realistically possible for him to do that they would def- they would all bail right and this game makes a good point of having your friends guilt trip you about having, you know, all the fun that you're having. Like, again, you know, I have to hunt more tiger skins to make a pouch for my you know, grenades. And, and <laughs> yeah, tiger testicles. And your girlfriend is begging you to not become a violent warlord. Jason, no, stop. Uh, <laughs> Wait, how's that meme go? Jason, babe, it's me. It's Kathy. Please, babe, just look at me. It's fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's and uh, <laughs> I made myself laugh. Yeah, uh. it's it, it's really weird. Now, to 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 every extent in Far Cry Four onwards, that's not the case, right? Uh, 
the character at least has a strong reason to believe in the rebellion, right? Or at least believe in the well, except goals he, of some Because I don't remember a point where RJ Gali was like truly invested in the rebellion's plight. He was mostly surviving for a point, and then like I think a girl at one point said to him like, "You can either fight or leave," and he's like, "No, nah, I'll fight, I guess." And he's always well, kind of reluctant least... about it. He's more he's more committed because at least to some extent it is his people, right? He is at least yeah, to, but that to some degree mean that you're immediately committed to the cause. That's true, but he did go to the country uh, yeah, willingly the, to do this the crazy guilt thing. trip of his mother. <laughs> Look, the guilt trips of mothers are legendary powers, Callum. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you you can't you can't underestimate it. But it, Jason and his friends just cra- basically they just crashed on that island. No, they right? went there for holidays. And well, yeah, but they didn't deliberately go to go out of their way. They didn't know it was going to be a pirate stronghold. Yeah, you know, yeah. They didn't know that they were walking into a trap. AJ goes knowing that, you know, the situation is not necessarily the most stable. And in Far Cry 5, uh, that sheriff, the, the player character, goes to arrest Joseph Seed. So clearly he okay, has so a you're interest. arguing agency, not necessarily I'm arguing agency. Yeah, I think... I think agency is very important here because if we're going to have a game where the player character is going to be a messianic kind of godlike figure, their actual ability to make choices is very damn important to me. And, you know, it feels like Far Cry 3 is really where the game stops. Uh, so you're at least trying to pretend you're about that. arguing the opposite point of me. In that e- well, there's got to be some conflict. Yeah, I mean, finally. Well, I'm, I would. I actually prefer the idea that. Um, the messianic figure is forced into the role rather than chooses to go into it. You know, the... the I No, no, I would agree with you, but I don't think most of these characters choose to become the messianic figure, but they definitely make a choice to involve themselves in the plot, right? Yes, but also you have to consider that, like, Jason Brody could have just stayed in the village. But he did <sighs> Could he? He could have. Ah. Like, he, he could have just stayed in the village and helped the villagers fight off the uh, the the incoming pirates every time they got raided. Like, th- that was an option for him. But he didn't. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, but he, but that's, that's not how he would get home, right? Yes, but... He, they, 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 want to, they want to go home. So yes, but think... You it. kind of have to do some stuff to get home. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but think about it like from the perspective of what we were saying. He's not an action hero. He's not someone who has training. I don't. Does it? Does yeah. AJ Gali have training? No. AJ. AJ Gali. So. Because he's really good at handling a gun, right? For someone who has no <laughs> training. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is true. Because I always uh, thought he was like an uh, like a uh, he he was in special forces or something. Well, yeah, that is kind of weird. But I suppose maybe the point that they're trying to go with is that you anyone can. They're kind of do, trying to whole do that. That they're trying to do that whole Spider-Man thing where anyone can become Spider-Man. So anyone hypothetically could become you know Jason or RJ. Yes, except um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Except it takes an enormous amount of drugs and magic and uh, familial trauma to become either of those people. Don't. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess you do need to do a lot of drugs. You do need to do a lot of drugs. I mean, at, at one point, like, I think the most believable in in what you were saying, like, I, I'm starting to see your point. I think the most believable is the sheriff. Well, not the sheriff, the, like, new rookie from Far Cry 5. The deputy. Yeah. I, w- I would think I would think so because he chooses to ba- basically what they're from their perspective they're literally just doing a raid on like a crazy you know uh, separatist type guy on a cult the American a cult go- yeah a cult yeah they're basically raiding a cult which is the thing that the police generally speaking have done so they they don't know that it's going to become this crazy situation with potentially the end of the world they have no idea that that's really going to happen I do like that but- every Far Cry game from like four onwards seems to have a point where you can just give up and get an easter egg ending (laughs) because you can't just choose not to arrest this guy and then your sheriff says like no if we try to arrest him we'd be dead yeah i think to some extent maybe they have to recognize a little bit that the plot kind of doesn't really make sense you know like how uh in uh, raiders of the lost ark indiana jones is kind of irrelevant to the plot yeah because if he isn't there the nazis would just die in the desert with the Ark of the Covenant, uh, yeah. So, in a in a in a similar way, without the players' involvement in these stories, everything would be the same, more or less. I mean, except no, <laughs> because as okay, we've well, said uh, before, the priest of this crazy cult somehow sets off a nuke. Maybe, but would he have set? But would he have set the nuke off if he didn't feel like the government were going to destroy him? Yeah, probably, because he prophesies the Great Collapse, which is the setting off of the nuke. Well, we don't know if that's necessarily his doing. No, he says at the end, like, this is... well, Yeah, we don't know how he could have or what happened, but he prophesized it. So it might have been that uh, he would win anyway just because of that, and he'd have all of his crazy family members still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... I, I just think that the agency of the player is important when we're trying to contextualize this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Re- revolutions are ideological. More than anything else, if you're going to want to oppose a system, you have to understand that system that you're trying to oppose, and you have to have an idea of what you're going to replace it with. And I feel like the Far Cry games don't really talk about what comes next. They don't really give you enough context to feel like you're fighting for something that's actually yeah. real. At least, you know, with, with Far Cry 2, you're a mercenary. You're there to get blood diamonds. You don't really become involved in the story. The hero of that... Well, you're there, the, you're there to kill is... the jackal who just keeps do- being nice to you. Yeah, yeah. The, the hero of, the sto- of Far Cry 2 is the jackal. Because yeah. <laughs> he's the only one that seems to actually really give a damn. But, and you know, in, in, in Far Cry 3, Jason just wants to leave. Fair. I would want to leave yeah, as well. Yeah, no, that, that's a good but reason. I'm good. I'm down yeah, with that. In every, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hunt tiger tigers and cut you know uh, get their scrotums so I can make a purse to carry grenades. I wouldn't leave. <laughs> but the other games don't really do that. They kind of need you to to do stuff. They need you to be be involved in a way that I feel undermines their actual theme. And also, like let's be real, they don't spend as much time giving you a reason to fight. Right? I know I know it yeah. says that hey, Far Cry Six is a political game, but for a game that is supposed to be political, it doesn't really give you all that much care. You know, it falls into this problem, uh, all these Far Cry games, they fall into that problem kind of what Yeltsin was talking about, where they the two sides are not really good. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. that you really have the feeling that you can make a meaningful decision between 
crazy and a different type of crazy. You know, cr- crazy with a different shade of blue. Yeah, I also um, I think they fall into the trope of um, of course they would syndrome. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't just put the word syndrome at the end of things. That's tacky. But like, of course they would. Like, why does Ajay Gali fight in this revolution? Well, he's a video game character. Of course he would. You know. Yeah. What else is he gonna do? Yeah. Scatter his mother's ashes and then in, leave. In, yeah, in, in a nicer <laughs> place. I don't know. In a place that's not in a civil war. Crazy. Um, or like, why does the rookie not try and escape to get help? Because yeah. Like, he's a video game character. Of course he wouldn't. Of course he would stay here and fight. Yeah, yeah. Even the even the player character in Far Cry Six, who is an actual ex-guerrilla fighter, right? An ex-military guerrilla <laughs> fighter. Really, you don't get the feeling that they care really all that much, or that there is really something you know worth fighting for, except for that the bad guys are bad and the rebellion are the rebellion. Well, it, it's and, like that. It's yeah. it's it's. it's similar-ish to the point that you brought up but somehow more vague like this is her country of course she would fight for it no a country is just a place you know you you have to show me connection to the people you have to show me like maybe good memories there or like a big reason why she wants to fight for this or like that she has an idea of a better way that they can do things people don't just fight for the sake of it yeah, yeah. They don't, people are not like peasants in Warcraft 3. Where if you click a button, they all immediately run to the town center and <laughs> pick up arms. <laughs> That's a joke for like two people in our audience. <laughs> uh. Actually, let me ask you this. Uh, do you feel like it would be better if maybe... Uh, and we're almost out of time here. But do you feel like it would be better if the game started actually not at the beginning of the revolution, but before the revolution? So like half the game was actually the pre preamble to declaring revolt and the other half of the game was the revolution itself i think it would be much harder to build an action game that way because you would need it would probably be like um almost like a flashback sequence like uh three weeks Mm. ago or something and uh it was (laughs) just like a a war-torn country three days ago um (laughs) but yeah it's it would probably be just like you training or doing military drills, and then someone mentions something, and then, like, the war gets launched without you knowing. I actually... This is totally impractical, but I actually kind of like the idea of if there's going to be an action game about fighting in a revolution, there should be a different genre-type game before... Like, for example, imagine if Papers, Please was the sort of the (laughs) stealth prequel game to, like, the next Far Cry, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have to go through the bureaucracy sim before you're allowed to play the the, yeah. uh, the action game. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just because like at the end of Papers Please, I love Papers Please. You guys should. It's really play. good. Maybe we'll play it on stream. Yeah, sometime. it's really good. But at the end of the Papers Please, I actually felt something about wanting to get rid of the government because I was like, I was sick of this goddamn bureaucracy. You know. And I really felt something about having to deal with it. And it's like, yeah, now if you give me an action game where I have to depose the Aristokan, you know, government, it's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I just kind of feel like maybe if you're not going to do that kind of storytelling, if you're going to make a game that's not really going to be that strong story-wise, then make another game that is a different genre that doesn't have to have these issues yeah, with the action, companion open game. world RPG. The companion game, yeah, exactly. 
that the companion game to Far Cry 4 could be, uh, I don't know, uh, AJ just just chilling, you know? Drug City Tycoon. <laughs> yeah, Drug City Tycoon. Or Far Cry 6 could have been, you know, uh, some kind of farming simulator. Or uh, well, Far Cry 5 Valley was just... Is just the companion game to Far Cry 6. <laughs> Yeah, Yara is actually where the the off-screen war in in Stardew Valley is is taking place. Um, But yeah, I get what you're saying. I think think that's a cool concept. But I want to ask you a question before we're done here. Um, Yes, go ahead. Do you think that Far Cry New Dawn is a rebellion game? No, it's a post-apocalyptic game. Well, here's the thing, though. They are technically rebelling against uh, another group. Yeah, but it's not like an established society. It's not like an so established it needs, there order. needs to be a just, system of governance. There has to be a huge power imbalance. That's not just like would you consider two nation states fighting a rebellion? Uh, no. Well, I suppose right? I suppose like I get what you're coming from because I I saw it, I saw this... it and I thought like it it strikes me more as like the villagers fighting the bandits. Yeah, it's it's a gang war in a sense. It there has to be this power imbalance that is. Not only huge, but also structural. Like, uh, so the reason why the empire is stronger than the rebellion is because they have like a tax base that can be turned into a military industrial complex. Because the empire right? has taxes. <laughs> That's what was stopping Jedi's. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why you know the rebellion in like the reason why the rebellions in all these games are weak is because they don't have those institutional structural yeah. supports. If you don't have that kind of power. You have to fight in an asymmetrical kind of war against a much larger. That's why power. you always have New to Dawn, capture you... a farm, uh, drug yeah. slash food. Yeah, you have to you have to capture the industry that is required for building a government. Yeah. right. That's what the essence of the rebellion is. But in in a game like New Dawn, you're just fighting. A, you're you're fighting gangs, right? <laughs> it's just it's a gang war. Also, it might not have happened because, like you said, it's kind of left up to the viewer's interpretation on whether or not the nuke actually went off. My personal theory is that it did. Yeah, I think it did. That's my hot well. take. I I just think the guy was just high 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 as a kite. Excuse me, and just you know, Joseph was just doing his proselytizing end of the world thing. He just it implanted an idea, a seed in your head that it was going to happen. And then your brain made it up that it happened. I, I don't think it actually... I think that the uh, New did. Dawn also isn't in the future. I think... I oh. think because, like, they use regular guns, right? Oh, and it's only a couple... It's only, like, 10, 15 years in the well, future. Yeah, they're... Not they're that. Well, that's the thing. I think they just, like... I think everyone just got high. I think I think the 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 <laughs> I think the bliss is what it was called got because they were pumping it into the water uh, system, right? Yeah. So I think like it got because it got like released. The final bliss got released, and you burn it at one point. So like maybe it's just yeah. so concentrated in this area now that like everyone is suffering a mass delusion, which is Far yeah, Cry New Dawn. That's not entirely out of it's it's not entirely out of left field for like a cult group to release a drug and dope everyone, you know. Um, I I genuinely do think that it didn't happen, and I do think that New Dawn is an attempt to make an idea of oh yeah, it did happen, but I just 
I just feel like uh, it, it goes against kind of the theme, right? Because the, the major themes of all of these Far Cry games have, is that human beings are the problem, but it's human interpersonal violence. Mm. I feel like a nuke is a very impersonal thing to come out of nowhere, yeah. right? It would be one thing, you know, it'd be one thing if, say, for example, I think in the DLC of Far Cry 6, there's DLC for Far Cry 5. No, yeah, there's DLC for Far Cry 5 that actually uh, adds in uh, nukes, I think. Oh, wait, no. Oh, no, there's DLC. There's, there's DLC for a Far Cry game where you play as um, one of the... You play as Pagan from... Uh, uh, yeah, this is Far Cry 6. Yeah, there's DLC from Far Cry 6 where you play as Pagan, and there's nukes wait, involved pagan there. And I feel like... Yeah, Pagan Men. Whoops. He's from Far Cry <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a... Yeah, yeah, but in the DLC for Far Cry 6, you have a dream sequence where uh, Pagan Men has this whole thing, and the Krayot has... It, what he was doing this whole time is instead of, sp- in, instead of spending his money on infrastructure, he was spending it on drugs and also a nuclear stockpile. <laughs> and he tells AJ to use the weapons as he sees fit. So, like, that yeah, I so could that's understand. Far Cry, like, that's DLC for Far Cry 4. No. Far Cry 6 is the one in no. fake Cuba. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, I'm not crazy. Let's, l- l- hear me out, right? So, Far Cry <laughs> 6 has these three DLC episodes, and they feature the return of previous Far Cry antagonists. Why? It's a, all of them are dream sequences. Why? <laughs> because, d- don't you understand? They've run out of ideas. <laughs> Wait, like, okay, who are they? It's Pagan Min. Um... It, yeah, it's it Jason. So you play it, the first one is insanity. You play as Voss. Oh god! And you, you, yeah, yeah. You you have to fight Citra and and Jason, and you eventually have a dream. And it turns out it was a dream, and Voss somehow survived, and he's on a beach. Uh, and then in the second one, uh, Pagan Men Control, it, it starts with this whole thing, and um, yeah, then you have to. Uh, pay, you, I think you play as. Uh, you know, pagan, and then you you do this whole thing with the nukes, and the last one is uh, with Joseph Seed. That's kind of a cool how... concept. I do kind of okay, like look. the idea. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's pretty off the wall. I'm not gonna lie. Well, but, because none um, of the main characters in Far because they're all audience surrogates, so they're all personalityless. But like, yeah. I liked Pagan Men. I liked Vas. I liked Jonathan C- Jason Jonathan Seed Joseph Seed. Joseph. Yeah. Well, I don't know Joseph Seed because I didn't play Far Cry 5. But, like, I liked some of the villains in the Far Cry games because they do tend to be yeah. at least somewhat charming. Yeah, Voss probably will go down as one of the best villains, I think. And, except for the fact that game. he gets killed halfway through that game, spoilers, and then replaced with someone else. <laughs> yeah, a generic Afrikaans dude. Which is so weird. Um, why did you do that? He's on the cover of your game. Look, dude, the open world design, I feel, is very, very flawed for games that have linear stories, right? So, I think we've... <laughs> Before we start spinning off into another time loop, uh, I think we should end Time loop. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you very much for watching. Uh, this has been Bite Marks. I think we've uh, cracked down on the case of, of Rebellion. Uh, which is your uh, leave in the comments below which is your favorite Far Cry game and actually also leave in your com- the comments which is your favorite Far Cry villain mine is Malaria yeah 
<laughs> that's a pretty. That's a pretty. Yeah, tough I couldn't uh, figure out put, how to beat him. <laughs> I'm gonna put the tiger that has been sneaking up on me for like 20 minutes yeah. while I snipe the, the sentries. What was that? In uh, the the fucking eagles in Far Cry Four. <laughs> the worst. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, thank the the you environment. For, yeah. The, the environment. <laughs> thank you for watching. Um. Uh, yeah. Go and check out our Patreon if you'd like to support the channel. If you want to hear more from us about this stuff, we do post bonus things on Patreon. Um, oh, speaking of, uh, for at least a little bit, if instead of donating to the Patreon, if you donate to one of the links that will be in the description of this video uh, to the International Red Cross, uh, we will give you access to the patron bonus episodes if you send us proof, a bank receipt, and also the thank you Hell yeah. uh from the Red Cross, because Bite Marks is against imperialism, yes. and it's going on in the world right now, and people need to It help. is insane out there, it is crazy, beyond belief, things that people should never have to go through, so please, if you can spare anything, go to those links. Uh, but yes. on, on slightly okay. lighter news, if you like what you hear here, just uh, subscribe, maybe tap that bell icon so that you can know, get notifications from us, and... Uh, let us know what you think in the comments, please. We need to get feedback from you guys to to change up the com uh, content if you don't like it. So uh, just let us know. Yeah, I've been trying to get to uh, a thousand uh, subs, hopefully. And more. Tell your friends. And more. To the moon. Bye, everyone. Cheers.